One, hello. Two, hope you're having a splendid day. And three, thanks for checking out episode eight of the And One podcast. And we'll let you know exactly what it's about in just a moment. Before we jump in, if you're someone who would consider yourself just a casual listener, or maybe not the biggest basketball nerd, I think you'll love the first half of this episode. It's awesome. Anybody would love it. For those of you who really like basketball, like getting into the more nitty gritty stuff, that will be more towards the end of this so listen to what you want listen to the whole thing listen to a quarter of it i don't care i just want to thank you for checking it out and just before we hop in come on guys like normal check the instagram and the email for the podcast in the description reach out to us there if you want to come on this podcast or you know somebody who you think would be good on this podcast and enjoy the episode that's all i gotta say peace episode eight of the end one podcast and today i think i think it's gonna be a good one we're joined by justin Sores, sure. uh head coach and general manager of the laurier basketball cro- program of course university of laurier in kitchener waterloo and yeah i'm super excited to have him on you want to say hello tell everybody what you do how you been yeah thank you thank you guys for having me uh great uh, great initiative from you guys to uh get started with that podcasting and uh, excited for a good one. Um, obviously, uh, head coach and general manager of Lowell Field Lawyer University. I've been here for uh, now five years and uh, kind of uh, it's tough for us to be uh, not playing and not coaching this year, but uh, we're getting ready for big season next year and uh, we're excited to get back on the court. For sure. And what have you been up to like lately with COVID lockdown and everything? Uh, it really uh, depends. Uh, we were able to train in uh, October, November, December. We were doing some individual uh, development. Uh, but overall, since the uh, pandemic started, uh, we just basically started so many projects with the team. Um, you know, since I'm the uh, general manager, I'm looking after the whole uh, program as a, as, a, as a whole, like uh, marketing, communication, uh, what else? Uh, stats, analytics, video, um, recruiting, uh, everything. So basically, sounds, sounds like everything. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's very. It's almost like we're trying to make a, a, a makeover from uh, where we were and how we're going to do things moving forward. Uh, from a health, basketball, uh, prep, scouting, recruiting, and everything perspective. So all of my staff, they all have little projects they're working on right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like overseeing every everything all of them. Uh, and uh, it keeps us really, really busy. So it's actually crazy to think about, you know, how much I'm, I've been doing, how much work I've been doing, mm-hmm. considering the situ- the fact that we haven't even played a game yet, this year. So it's all of the projects that we didn't have the time to do. We're doing it now. And uh, it's, it's actually quite exciting. Yeah. And... I mean, that sounds like a lot, uh, but I mean, props to you. Uh, for, for training, were you guys able to do that as a team or was that an individual thing that would kind of, you, you would send out to your guys and they would do it independently? 
So when we started uh, in March, I guess when we were on lockdown in March, we didn't really know where we were going. So we did a lot of Zoom stuff and stuff like that. But in uh, October, November and a little bit of December, we were able to get on a call. Uh, but we did only individual training. So uh, basically the guys were all uh, in the gym, but um, we had, you know, our gym is pretty big. We have three courts, six baskets. So we did small parts of, uh, of, of development. Um, but it wasn't um, no defense, no one-on-one, no two-on-twos, just pure uh, skills and uh, skills development, really, uh, offensively driven mostly. Uh, and uh, it, it was actually fun just because I think a lot of our guys needed that, uh, just a lot of uh, details on you know, how to get better individually, and they all have their little things they want to get better at. So uh, it was pretty cool, and you know, it's, it's tough not to be able to get back on the court right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw those videos of the the guys shooting around stuff on Shadir's TikTok and stuff like that. And then yeah. I also even I even saw a video of um Ali doing a layup on the score and House of Highlights and all these yes, videos of yes. millions of views. How how cool is that to been to see? Yeah, thanks to Coach Shadir. I mean, uh, every, after each practice, uh, you know, at the end we rush. You know how it is. It's, you always rush with time, and we don't have really much time. And I want to get to get to go stretch, and I'm always on Shadia like, you know, let's go, let's go. We gotta, we gotta go stretch. We gotta go. And he's like, no, give me two minutes. I gotta do some videos, some TikTok, TikTok. <laughs> and uh, and then now he blew up, and he texted me. He's like, oh, coach, you gotta let me do my thing now. He can't, I don't want to hear nothing from you. Uh, you know, the video went viral. Uh, House of highlights, the score, and. Uh, it's it's been good it's good you know it's good publicity for our team for sure i don't know how much how many people actually picked up picked up on the fact that it was our school but for us it's so cool like every time i send it to my friends and family and you know all of the guys they love it so i'm gonna definitely give shadir five or ten minutes of our practice time moving forward just for tiktok promotion (laughs) all right i might i might try and uh direct people towards that uh in the description if i can find a link or something Sam, you have to get back to me with that. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna kind of start by uh, trying to trying to figure out what basketball is like at Loria right now. Uh, I think that'll be interesting, and then towards the end, we're gonna get into more general questions and even talk about the NBA for a little bit, uh, which which I think will be fun. Um, so yeah, um, when you're picking your starting five, uh, would you be valuing the the talented guy? Or the guy who fits your scheme uh, more, which I, I, they're both obviously very important. Um, but but which do you weigh a little bit more as a coach? I think I like to have a balance, but I don't have I don't I'm not a fan of having a set starting five. So uh, we've seen it over the over the years that in our our team we mm-hmm. have changed the starting five during the season quite a few times. Yeah. Uh, depending on who we're facing, depending on injuries, like. If you never change your starting five and uh, you have an injury, yeah, what happened, right? Yeah. So I, I'm there so is like a few guys. The experience yeah, like yeah. there's a few guys. I mean, uh, you know, Ali So, for example, our best player. Uh, unless he really did something stupid, then he's you know basically punished for something, and which never uh, well happened once over the last four years. Other than that, he's starting. Like, there's no question to ask. You know, he's your best player. You you just don't, you know, that just makes sense. But there is, I think, depending on, on, on your team every year, you could have you could have one, two, or three, or maybe four players that you are willing to 
change uh, depending on the week, depending on injuries, depending on, on schemes uh, that you, you're okay changing. And some, I mean, that's my philosophy. I think a lot of coach uh, could have a different uh, mindset and some of them, they just never change their starting lineup, which is fine as well. Uh, whatever works for you and as long as your team accept it, it will work. There's never a right answer, but it's yeah. it's interesting to hear everybody's yeah, opinions. For sure. You maybe you want to tell us that story about how, what well, in one time out of the four years you had to get punished. What is something you'd like to share? I can't remember exactly what happened, but it it either didn't reply to a text of you know uh, uh, somebody on the staff, and uh, he wasn't really you know being. Uh, you know, long season, sometimes you, you catch a little bit of uh, frustration. I think he was yeah. a little bit frustrated. And uh, I had to remind him that, you know, he, he should have been, he should be focusing on, on the team right now and not so much on, on his own frustration. So it wasn't a big deal, but uh, I made it a big deal because I wanted to make a statement pretty much. Yeah, I'm a pretty big Laurier basketball fan. I come to almost all the games. Appreciate and when it. I, Thank you. When I watch you coach... You're you're a little bit fiery, but you're you're for the most part a pretty calm coach, and I've never seen you get a technical or anything like that. But when I was doing my research, I get them on the road. That's why. Oh okay. <laughs> no, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> when I was doing my research, I saw that in when you played at Laurentian, you had nine disqualifications, which actually led the league. He was what doing his own analytics. To, yes, what have you yes. done to? Uh, further discipline yourself so you don't make those same mistakes as a coach? You know what? At Laurentian, it was, uh, um, was my my first year. I didn't really play much. I played my last five games and I earned my minutes. And then the last, the second year, I started nine, 18 out of 19 games. Uh, the only two games I didn't start was the first year, first game of the season and the last game when I got injured, I was injured. Um, but that being said, uh, we didn't have much of a defensive team. So basically what happened at Laurentian was that uh, I was guarding the other team uh, best player or the other team best players uh, from the, from the, for, the whole, for the whole game. So it put me in a situation where you know, I had to be aggressive and I had to take chances. So it uh, led to me getting a lot of fouls. And, um, and you also see that a lot in uh, new guys in the league that are... If you're a new guy, the referee don't know you much and you're overly aggressive, you're going to get all of the calls against you. Uh, and that's, you know, a lot of fouls that I should have made, obviously. But realistically, I didn't even care to foul out because I was like, you know, I'm a role player. I'm here to foul. I'm here to give it all. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, that, that was the reason behind it. I didn't really... I don't think I got any technical that year. Okay. Uh, okay. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't there... I guess a personality issue was more. It was, of a, it was calculated. Yeah, it was more of a role, and you know, knowing that, yeah, basically calculated. Yeah, you put it well. And have you ever uh, had any run-ins with with technicals, maybe, or some disagreements that have got you disqualified, or or anything like that? Uh, we always as, like as to a, ask those questions. Yeah, as a as a coach, uh, obviously, you know, uh, my. Uh, not the last season we played the one before. I actually was very proud because I only got one technical and it was by being uh, too close from the court in the playoff game. I was too close from the court and then the ref was running and, you know, sometimes they're running on that line and yeah. I guess I was there so I bumped into him by accident and it's a, it, I mean, he's not a friend of mine but he's one of the refs yeah. that we, we like 
you know, he likes us and I like him. I actually didn't see him too much this year for whatever reason. I was pissed. Uh, but anyways, he gave me a tea, but he was like, I'm sorry, I got to give it to you, but I really don't want to give it to you. Okay, so, so so it wasn't a it wasn't a his story versus your no, story kind of thing. It was no, just... no, not at all. But last season was brutal. It started very well, everything was going well, and then uh, against Ottawa, uh, I end up getting two tees back to back. Basically, uh, Ali Ali got ran over by a guy, and they called him on the flop. They actually called him on the flop earlier during this, the game, and uh, and then one guy just you know brutal overly aggressive player ran him over on the shot so i'm like through you know it's a close game six nine point game uh, a few minutes left in the game i'm like okay perfect ali's going to the line um we gotta get three free throws. the guy ran him over so badly that he actually clipped me uh and make like he ran into my knees and i fell on the player that's how bad the call was the guy one of the ref justin funny enough called a flop on ali Okay. So, get to second technical and get thrown out of the game. So I'm, I'm not saying nothing. You know, I'm just trying to get an explanation. I'm like, you guys got it wrong. Can you guys just huddle and actually discuss? Because everybody in the building saw the same thing. Um, they're like, no. So I'm like, I don't say nothing, but it's boring, and I just lost it. I'm like, this is f, you know, BS and all of that stuff. <laughs> I get a T. I'm like, perfect. I'm like, great. Thank you. Get another T. Getting thrown out. I'm like, wow. So they I get thrown they out. They didn't appreciate you, uh, your manners, saying thank yeah, you to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't, they didn't like it. So whatever, get thrown out. And uh, so basically, in the league, if you get five technical, like five, your fifth technical, you getting, uh, you getting kicked out. Uh, you getting. Um, Suspended for a game, but since I got ejected from a game, me and Ali both got suspended for the following game, which was against Carlton. So nonetheless, we didn't have a chance. We didn't win, obviously. Uh, and then I can remember uh, I got another technical. That was definitely uh, my fault. I was looking for it, so I got my third. Uh, but then another game, uh, just like uh, um, what's his name? Um, Draymond Green a few games ago, he was talking. I was talking to the bench. Oh, you know, we, yeah. So we were at Western, and I'm like, we don't start. We didn't start well. I turn around and I look at my bench, and I'm like, come on, guys, BS. But I'm not even looking at the ref. The, yeah. As I'm saying that, the ref is running by, and he think I'm saying, come on, guys, BS to him. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, no, oh, I, I'm no. not talking. So he's giving me a take, and then after the game, again, he comes to me and he's like, oh, my bad, I thought you were talking to us, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were even looking at me. I'm like, so you apologize for giving me a take? I'm like, can you take it away? He's like, no. And no, the OUA is one of the finest leagues in the world where you, we don't get reviewed, so they barely review the, the, the Ali play, so we both got suspended without barely, they, they say they reviewed, but I know they didn't review it. Um, and then... And then the 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 referee are literally told me like where well, we made a mistake, blah 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 blah. I'm like, great, they're gonna take it away. No, we don't do that. <laughs> it's not in our. I'm like, come on, guys. So we as coaches, we're the only one of and players. We're the only one that can make mistakes and get punished for it. But you guys can make mistakes, mistake, yeah. ac the f accept the fact that you actually made a mistake and not being able to review it. Like, 
that's one part of the league that I'm, I'm, I'm feel I have a bigger issue with is the, um, the, the, the lack of professionalism in terms of keeping everybody, uh, um, I guess, uh, accountable, like from, yeah. from, uh, from directors to, to the, uh, to the, the fans, to, uh, to the, you know, the only people we keep accountable and we keep hanging on is the coaches and the players, but everybody else can do whatever. And they, they, you know, I've seen terrible things from the from people in the stands, from you know referees, from from you know players and stuff like that. And you know, you, you referee whatever, and you just the only guys that get get knocked on is the coaches and the players. So you know that that gets to me. But you're right, I'm fiery. Uh, but after that, I didn't get any technical for the rest of the season. Everything you're energetic. Went, yeah, yeah, I mean, I want to show them that I have a sense of urgency. I always say like. I want my when I when I was a player at least I wanted my coach to show me like he cared. I showed him that I care. I showed him that I'm in the game. I'm showing him that I you know up and downs. I'm still gonna coach. I'm I'm coaching my my butt off and and uh, and I'm showing them energy and I'm I'm in a fight. So uh, that's my way of contributing and that's and then they have to contribute on the court. And I yeah, think that's you, you think you think they'd be able to review right because they they're recording it all. They have it on oh, UATV. Yeah. Yeah, they never want. They they're never gonna admit that the referee was wrong, and that's the biggest. You know, and like what twelve years in the league, none of those refs ever made mistakes. Like, come on, <laughs> let's be yeah. honest. Like, we are human yeah. beings. Of course, you're gonna make mistakes. It's fine, and, and we you know we're moving on. But at least, you know, how many times referee for me? Oh, I missed that call and stuff like that, which is fine. I respect every time they tell me that. I, what do we only say? I'm gonna sit down and and take take my L. But you know when the league is not in capacity to review anything, for me that's total frustrating. You know, total, yeah, it's, it's it's a lack of you know it's a lack of professional. You just don't make that league. That doesn't give the OUA, uh, I guess, uh, the the respect they should get. Like if you know a professional league should be able to review, and yeah. the yeah. the fact that they don't do it is just you know I guess it's a weird policy to me. Yeah. Um. Something about Laurier basketball is like especially home games that keeps me coming back is so you guys hand out these little pamphlets with all the I'll say the player's name number what course they're taking and where they're from and there's a section in the um there's a section in the stands where the whole Laurier football team sits (laughs) and they will they will read they will look they'll match each name with the number and they'll yell their name at the person and it's they're just so loud it's such a good atmosphere how like how do you think they affect how your players play and do they, how do they help? Well, I mean, I, I, let's put it this way: every time I see a football player on campus, at least that I can recognize, there's a lot of them in, on on the football team. But there's you know there's the star players I can recognize, and I go to almost every football game. I always show them my love, and yeah. uh, and, and there's you know not just them. I mean, I know the rugby team when they come, or well, they came once. I remember, I know they came more than once, but the one time I remember they came was crazy. Like, so every time I, I see an athlete, so senior athletes that I know they're coming to the game or even if they don't, but more, most likely if they come to the game, I'll show them mad love on campus. Uh, and I always, you know, chop it up and trying to, you know, show them love because uh, I appreciate what they do. And then, yes, they bring that atmosphere. They bring, you know, sometimes I feel like maybe they're jinxing us because they get so hyped. Right in the beginning of the game, and I'm like, yeah, there's still 40 minutes left, guys. Let's let's chill. But that's what they're here for, you know. They they're here to bring that energy, and 
I am truly, truly, truly so grateful for them. They, they just make the, the videos that we get from them and the experience, you, the atmosphere you get from the, you know, it's not a big gym, so you get that energy right away. And um, they, again, they're showing love to, to, uh, to their brothers. And that's what it's, the university life should be about. And that's why uh, anytime that we are in town during a football game or, uh, or uh, we're trying to do the same thing and you know obviously there's more people in the stands in their games but then we're a little bit further away um and uh and i want to i want to start doing that with more teams and last year actually we went to uh the change room of the football game before game uh just to feel the speech and see the energy and we had i had all of the basketball player in the locker with us and we were we were just filling in and taking it in how the guys getting ready and it was an amazing experience, and I, I want to I want to do that with more teams, you know, uh, rugby team, the soccer team. Just mm -hmm. I want to show them more love, uh, not just the football team. Obviously, they are our biggest fan, and I appreciate it. <laughs> but I want to show it to the other teams as well moving forward, just because I think we need. Uh, we already have a, a school spirit, but we need even more than that uh, from athletes to athletes. Yeah, are are you are are you the speech guy for the team, or do you get the players to do it? Another coach, do you like to mix it up? Depends on how I feel. Like every game, I sometimes I do a little speech. Sometimes I don't. Uh, I just I keep it straight to the point. Uh, I, I really I I I don't. Uh, I I would say I'm not too consistent with that. It really depends on the vibe. Sometimes I feel like the guys and the emotion on the room is already there. I just don't need to overdo it. Sometimes if I feel like you know they needed something, I'll I'll, I'll say it. But you know, I would say Coach Folds is a hell of a speaker, man. Like the way he, when he preaches before the game, oh wow! I was so grateful to be in that change room. To be honest, like that was amazing. The energy in that, oh wow! I wanted to go out there. I don't, I, I want to play football, but I wanted to play football for a minute still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Earlier we were talking about you know how great the the football team is and how good how like how they help the atmosphere for the Lorraine basketball games. Is there a gym that you go into when you play another university that you know that that gym, they're going to have a really good crowd? Yeah. Uh, Laurentian where, I mean, I played there. Um, so maybe I'm biased, but Laurentian <laughs> is, is by, you know, I wouldn't say by far, but it's the best, best gym. Uh, when they have their crowd, it's, it's crazy. Uh, Lakehead, like Laurentian is crazy fun. Lakehead is crazy uh, borderline, I would say. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, you know, in our playoff game, we ran into some issues this year where uh, you have grown men, you know, literally swearing at me the whole game. When I say grown men, like I'm talking 50, 60 years old <laughs> dude, uh, you know, like calling, call, yeah, calling me names that I'm like, <laughs> like you should be a it's like old head Rangers fans at the at the OHL games. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so what happened? Side story is what happened during the playoff game is that I've took. I mean, you know, I, during the game I don't care. Like, go ahead and go crazy, but don't disrespect me like that, you know. And I didn't say nothing the whole game. I stayed focused. We won, and I turn around and I just look at them and say, "I heard everything you said. I heard this. I heard that. I heard this." <laughs> and for whatever reason, they were offended by that. And I'm like, I dare you to be offended by something you just told me for the whole game. Now you took your L, you're going to sit down and you're going to let me tell you that I've heard you. 
Uh, and they lost take it. Your time out. And uh, yeah, they were they were pissed. And then the the athletic director there actually wrote to my to my director and trying trying to kind of like the newspaper trying to make me look like I was the bad guy. And I'm like, I was getting like, and somebody was waiting at halftime. Somebody was oh, waiting wow. outside of our change room just to swear at us and tell us to f the out of here. You guys sucks. Uh, you came here for, you know, you wasted your time coming here, whatever, whatever. They're like, where's the security? I even told the ref, like, during the game, like, this is going out of hand. I, I, I want to report this. And I don't know what they did with that, but there is, yeah, I don't, I'm sure they go anywhere. But it's not safe. Like, literally, I didn't feel safe for our players. And that's why I was pissed off. I'm like, literally, guys, uh, no security behind the bench. You had, like, the guys are literally standing right beside you. You got guys swearing at us the whole game. They're yeah. swearing at a manager who's volunteering. They're swearing at, at our players. They're swearing at me. Okay, whatever. Uh, they're waiting for us in the hallway. Like, come on. So it is a place where you want to play. Like, it's, it reminds me in Europe. In Europe, I've heard, like, monkey noise uh, going out after oh, our teams. And, like, oh, yeah. So, like, they obviously, that didn't go that far. But, like, I've... I've played in environments that was, weren't safe. I played in a game where there was two pit bulls on the sideline. I was inbounding. No, sorry, God. In the, in, in, the, in the city in France where literally uh, I, to win the game, I'm doing a side out of bounds and there's a guy with two pit bulls on the leash, literally half a meter, like literally standing right beside me. Is he cheering for the other team? Oh, we're we're on the road. There's no fans. There's no fans for us. We're on the road. We're in we're in the we're in the hood at this point. And so I played in those type of environment where you know you don't even know if you're gonna get beat by a dog while you're playing. Like so, I, I, it's not like I'm not used to it, and I'm I, I understand the passion from the fans. But where you know, and I I usually give them props. Like at Windsor, they have some pretty good like uh, football players. They're pretty funny. Like I turned around a few times after the game, and I. You know, I told him, like, yo, that was funny. You know, you get some good ones. Like, and I think our football fans do that well. Uh, where where I'm, I don't like is the straight, like, you know, insulting people to insult yeah. people. Like, it's, yeah. you know, and then make it seems like we were the bad guys at the end. I'm like, come on. It's just because we won, now we're the bad guys. Like, seriously. Um, so, yeah, anyways, I got sidetracked. Uh, Brock, <laughs> no, Brock in awesome. the playoff. Uh, Brock in the playoff is crazy. Uh Carlton, uh, when we almost beat them two years ago, was crazy just because it was a home opener. It was packed, and we almost came and and and, and you know take the so house down. Rad. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Unfortunately, we we you know we were close, but not close enough. Um, so, but yeah, overall, I think Laurentian uh, is just you know uh, the perfect match of heaven. Like people make fun of you, obviously they're loud, they're obnoxious, but they're respectful at the same time, and they just get to have a good time. And that's what I respect about the fans, where you're here to have a good time. You can make fun of me the whole time. You know, we bad plays, sub guys out, you know, airboards, uh, just like our football guys do. But uh, it's got to stay within the lines of basketball because, again, it, we, you, you don't know who's who and, and you know, you just want to keep it safe. Yeah, that's what, that's what I enjoy about the Laurier football players who come to the games. That They're obviously doing, you know, whatever possibly, possibly they can do to – Put the other team off their game, but it never crosses any line. Like they're, they're no, barely I don't think swear. so. No, yeah. and uh, usually they, they get uh, you know the people 
looking after that. And uh, you know, our stands also like they have fences, so you're not as close. You know, they're not even behind their bench, so you're you're far away. You feel a little bit safer in our in our environment. When yeah. where I don't feel so safe is really like I don't. I'm not a fan of is when you have people like uh, literally half a meter behind you, and they are going crazy. And if they yeah. don't say you no, know, they don't say nothing. It's fine, but. If they're going crazy saying some, you know, foul stuff and there's no security to protect us. And again, that comes back to the league. Like they should have those type of things in place in terms of you're hosting a game. You got to make sure behind the other team's bench, it's safe and stuff like that. Those are not even like things that are in place yeah. in our league. And that's something that, again, look, talking about professionalism, this is where you know, the league needs to do a better job of coming when we when we back to... Uh, uh, we're talking about safety protocol. Like that's one of the safety yeah, protocols that not, makes it's the not most high sense. school basketball anymore. No, like, not at all. Should have those things in place. Yeah. And sure. also, I mean, like you, you can have a you can have a fun rivalry, right? You can you can like hate the other team. You can be you can make it us versus them without having to get like personal and without having to get um, like just like insulting and offensive. For sure. But I mean, with this, let's put this this way. If I'm walking down the street or I'm going to get a coffee, whatever, would you come up to me and tell me like, F you, na 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 No, you wouldn't. No. So why do you feel entitled to do that when I'm just coaching my team? Like, yeah. you know, I'm not even, like, you're not even, you don't even exist to me. Like, it's fine. Just watch the game, enjoy. And again, you can make fun of me, make fun of my, my tie, make fun of my suit, make fun of uh, how I look, make fun of, but like there's, you know, there's lines that yeah. you just don't, you know, don't cross, you know, uh, and uh, and unfortunately it does happen sometimes. Well, I think it's because they're in the position of power, right? Like if you if you do anything back, as you said earlier, like you're going to yeah. be in the newspaper. God mm-hmm. forbid you do anything, you know, it could end exactly. up like the Messiah jury situation where e- exactly he, he pushes slightly pushes the guy back, and now he's <laughs> facing charges and stuff. And all of a sudden, the narrative change. Like you're the angry black man, or you're the angry Arabic guy. Like, oh wow, okay, now I'm the angry French guy. Like, great. Yeah. Like, I didn't say a word the whole game. Like, you guys knew exactly what happened, but now I'm the bad guy. Like, it's a, a, a it's one of the things that drive me crazy in in this in the world is the victim blaming, or, or, or when you know, or victim shaming, where you know you're the one getting abused. You say one little thing. Or you you know, then all of a sudden you the bad guy. I'm like, yeah, wow. It's, it's almost it's it's almost as though they expect you to just be abused. Like you know, it, if you're the victim, yeah. you you have to be the victim the yeah. entire time. You and you, just because yeah. you're a coach, uh, it, it doesn't mean that you have to take some abuse without saying nothing. Like at the end of the yeah. day, I stay a man. Like you know, because then you're gonna hear it from everybody. Like oh, you gotta be a professional and stuff like that. Well, no problem. I, I can be a professional, and you know, it's not like I swear to anybody. But yeah. at one point, you also have to defend your defend yourself when you're being abused, and I think that's fair. If nobody else is there to defend yourself, well, you're just gonna let somebody like rob you. Like, no. Why would I let somebody just harass me and and and, and foul me though for for two hours? Basically, a game is like two hours. Oh, come on, man. So yeah, that's my view, but not everybody. Definitely, maybe not. Uh, some of the you know higher up in 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 uh, in the league and stuff like that, they probably will tell me like you know just keep it quiet, man. Fair. Well, go home. I think me and I think me and Sammy both understand where you're coming from and uh, agree with that. And I mean, I know we got we got a little sidetracked. That was that was awesome. That was that was really funny. <laughs> um, rent. <laughs> so yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna transition a little bit. Um, man, we already crossed the hour mark. Um, 
we're gonna transition a little bit. I want to talk um, a bit more about the NBA, and yeah. I was kind of wondering if you had um, a coach in the NBA. I think I'd heard uh, Greg Popovich, Coach Pop, uh, being checked around, but if you have a, a favorite coach in the NBA that you, you look up to and maybe steal some schemes from and stuff. Yeah, well, obviously, Coach Pop, uh, Coach Nurse, uh, Celtics coach, uh, can't remember his name for Steve me. Brad here. Steve Brad Stevens, yeah. Um, Dallas coach, really like him as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're all very good. Like, you know, Portman's coach is great as well. Mm-hmm. They all have, like, their little things they like to do. Uh, and, and you know, you know exactly what Portland's going to run with their, you know, down screen, free screen action. Uh, and, and they, they read that very well. They haven't run it as much the last couple of years, but like there's some action that I, I like when coaches have like a, a staple they, they're using, um, and they are really good at coaching it, but yeah. then they're also, uh, willing to adjust that based on how the game evolved. Uh, I forgot the coach Polstra in Miami. Yeah. Um, I really like this defensive scheme and and uh, and some of the stuff he does on defense as well. So again, I think if you're a student of the game, you're just willing to learn from anybody, from high school coaches to NBA coaches. Yeah, and um, as far as the NBA goes, the the really big thing right now is that Harden got traded to the Nets, and they now have you know three really ball-dominant, offensive-minded players, like superstars on the same team. Do you think that is something that will work? And how far How far do you think they could go? Yeah, it's the biggest argument right now, huh? It's the hot topic. Everybody's yeah. talking about it, and, and my friends and I arguing, and <laughs> we have a group chat. We've been talking about it for quite some time now. But, yeah, I think it really, you know, I, I think most people, I would say maybe 70 people, 70% of people I've talked to think this is not going to work. I would be more on the fence of giving it time and seeing how the staff and the, the, the management can make it work. And I'm, I'm more on the optimistic, optimistic side for them. I have no interest, but the optimistic side of, for them and Steve Nash, I guess I like Steve Nash, so that's fair, uh, to, uh, for them to make it work just because I feel like KD is in the right mental space. He's... Um, he feel like he's he's in, he's at peace who who he is as a basketball player and almost like as a man. Like when you see a guy like LeBron, when he uh, it's hard to explain, but you just see it. Like you just see it from an athlete where he's comfortable with who he is mm-hmm. and he knows himself well. Um, and I'm hoping that Arden can uh, be mature enough now that he was the man for a few years and that didn't re- that worked out very well, but didn't work out uh, exactly how they expect they hoped for in terms of going to the final and winning a championship, but I'm hoping that he has the maturity enough to help a guy like Kyrie, who's still, I think, uh, finding out or looking for who he is as a man, mostly than a basketball player, but, you know, clearly he's dealing with some stuff that is, you know, he, I mean, he's done a lot of stuff for the community and, and he's, he's got a warm, he's a sensitive, emotional guy, clearly. Uh, yeah. And uh, if those guys can be more of the uh, pragmatic, rational guys without getting uh, and keeping everybody, uh, I guess, uh, together through adversity when maybe Kyrie 
decide that he needs another day off or stuff like that. Almost like, have you guys saw the uh, the Last Dance? And yeah. saw how they handled like Dennis Rodman, even yeah, though yeah. Dennis Rodman was not a ball dominant player and stuff like that. They, the the leaders and the staff were able to handle the situation, and I think if that chemistry happened, mm-hmm. well, well, clearly offensively at least they're one of the yeah. you know better team we ever seen. And it so looked they like could, they have the potential. And it looked like Harden was pretty happy to be there. I don't know if you saw the photo shoot, but he was he was smiling like a yeah. like a little kid yeah, going yeah. going to. The, like who got some new Lego for Christmas or something? <laughs> for sure. Like if that energy, you know, for times it's that energy. You know, you're going on vacation, right? You get that butterfly. You're excited for a little while, and then you know, if things don't, if the vacation goes, you know, badly, then that energy is gives us appear quickly too, right? Yeah, so they, they might be on a, a different vacation, going to going to Mexico or something <laughs> instead, instead of the NBA finals. Yeah. So that that you got to watch out for how long that it can last that energy. But it seems to be willing to do to uh, to sacrifice. Clearly, I've watched watched already three games, and oh, you know, in terms of the chemistry offensively, uh, it doesn't really shock me. Like they they seem to be finding like they are looking for a way to make it work. I think uh, it's not perfect, but clearly they're 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 actually trying. That's I, I think it'll be. Can do. Yeah, I think it'll be a ton of fun to watch. For sure. Uh, I don't know. I honestly. No. You don't, I don't think, think it'll be pro- fun? I don't oh, I think it'll be fun to watch. I don't know how far they can go though. I don't think that I don't think the problems with how they like match offensively. They just don't they don't have that good of a defense and like especially how, they don't have that many centers and how much how much time they have how much time in this new era where we don't give people a chance to actually <laughs> That's know, also get, true. That's you know, that's the biggest thing. Like if if uh, the media pressure don't get to them uh, and don't pressure them to to collapse you have to give them this season and next season at least yeah to, that's to something I, I don't like about nba media it's because they're all they're all doing these shows where it's once a day right so yeah i've probably heard harden go from you know greatest greatest offensive player of all time to completely useless Most overrated. And, yeah well, it, i know, I know well, who you're talking yeah. You're talking about Stephen A. Smith, and you're talking about <laughs> oh, Skip Bellis, and, and uh, let me all tell you about guys. LeBron. <laughs> I mean, at the same time, that's their job, right? Like they have to base an opinion on a player every single day. Well, it's it's, it's, it's first day. it's it's first take, but <laughs> it's it also kind of it seems to also be last take uh, no, because yeah. the next day they've got a whole other row of things and then a week later they talk about the same player oh well what they, we said a week ago doesn't matter anymore, yeah. right? they, they should call it first thing in my mind because first that's literally what they say first thing that comes out in my, in my mind i'm gonna yeah. say it don't matter if yesterday was totally different and i'm a big i'm not a big fan of those shows to be honest I'm, no i don't i don't give i'm a not much. watching that i don't give them a space yeah um something i wanted to ask you about is your former player i'm not sure how you pronounce this kamal kamal, kamal archer yeah kamal archer our friends at um, LTG Mentality, they wrote a piece about him. He's actually over in Spain right now playing 4th Division League basketball. And yeah. um, what what do you have to say about his story and maybe like a, a message that you can use in your life and that we can all use? Well, I think for him, the, his story is pretty amazing in terms of he... Uh, I didn't even know him when he came out of high school and I was coaching the league and he went to Nipissing. I never heard of him before. 
uh, and he did one year, got you know asked to redraw from the university and got kicked out of the, the basketball team. Uh, went to a college uh, right basically on the same campus um, to, uh, to play college basketball for a year. And that's when uh, he kind of took his life in his own hand in terms of, uh, you know, working and, and, uh, and becoming a better student and, you know, working on his game. And I think that kind of like that setback was like a, a wake up call for him. And uh, that's when after that we met and, uh, and I loved like the, I love his personality and I love his, uh, uh, his story and I believed in him so much that I gave him a chance where, you know, a lot of people were like, who the hell is Kamen Archer? Nobody knew him. And the next thing you know, in three it's years, he became, yeah, he's a, he's a third leading uh, rebounder in school history and he only played three years for us. And he didn't even play that much in the, like he played, I guess, perfectly in the first year. So like, imagine if he played five years, he would have destroyed the rebounding, uh, um, uh, record um, yeah. and I mean he was a guy that started as a, a grinder rebound you know no post up just catch finish 21 spot to a post up to a, a point forward to a face up jumpers in three years uh, so his work ethic is none to you know uh, it's insane uh, he, yeah he became a, a academic um, not a academic, uh, uh, old academic, but uh, basically uh, uh, good enough to get a scholarship. So he had a more than a 70 average uh, over, you know, almost got an 80 average. He could have, if he really, I think one more year, he would have got an 80 average for sure. So he graduated without no problem in three years. Um, he always had two two jobs, at least, during the, even during the season. That's crazy. Uh, like, wow. the, the kid is insane. Did, like he, he, did he sleep? I don't know if he slept, you know, I know, he, I know he's got a social life too, so I don't know how much he slept, but all I know is that the kid is, you know, amazing, like just the nicest kid and uh, that, I mean, uh, I'm even more happy for him to experience, even though it's a, obviously it's, no, we're not going to lie, it's a lower division and stuff like that, he's doing very well, he almost had a triple-double actually uh, uh, this weekend, 19 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists. Yeah, and uh and no i'm very proud of him and you know it's not about like how much money he's going to make as a pro and stuff like that it's about a story about a, a kid that didn't that didn't go well for him but he he decided to you know change for good uh and evolve and it wasn't like it was a perfect ride with me like we argued and we went back and forth and i pushed him and uh you know in my first year i was really hard on him and second year i was really hard on him and Last year, I was really hard on him. The expectation level, it's not like I was, you know, uh, being uh, uh, nice to him every day. I was actually pushing him every day to be better and to the point where I didn't have to, you know, push him because he was pushing himself more than I had to push him. And, you know, now it was just working together to find a way to get into the next level. And uh, I'm happy he did, with it, even though it's pandemic. And again, I'm just so proud of him. And I think that's a story that, a lot of kids can relate to because we're not perfect and we know we go through up and downs in our life and but the the bounce back is is the most important it's not how you much you fall is how much you you know you can bounce back it's very cliche but unfortunately it's very true at the same time yeah of course and um you know he may at the end of the day he may not be making the most money in the world but he's also he's just playing basketball for a living so you know he'll probably sure. be happy it's a yeah, great thing happy. to do 
You've yeah, got a long time before you can actually get a quote unquote a real job, or people yeah, like to call it a real yeah. job. He's still very young too. Yeah, and you were talking about how he went to college and then he came. Do you think you gain, a, you know, do you think you gain something as a player for going to a college before going to youth sports? Because I know Melo on your team, he's a really gritty player. Yeah, he takes it to the net hard. Yeah, do you think you gain something? I think you gotta pick the right people. Like Melo, I took him just because he reminded me of he reminded me of Kemal as well. Like you know, a little bit older guy, uh, more mature, willing to take. Like he didn't come and like, oh, coach, uh, this is what I'm gonna do. And then uh, I mean, they all had their own expectation and their own goals, obviously. But he didn't come with an arrogance of like, oh, I know it all because I was so good in college. I'm gonna come and kill it. Um, you know, they also had the they, they had uh, the willingness to learn and and to be uh, pushed, and I think that's where those guys are good. But I wouldn't say like all of the college. Co- First of all, not every player should go to college, should go to university, obviously, uh, and not all college players can transfer to be good university players. Uh, I think for me, I'm taking. Uh, chances and so far it's been working very well for us with Kamel and, and Melo because I know Melo next year is going to be a problem for sure. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll we'll have to look out for that. Um, so you were the lead assistant coach jumping back to 2014 with the University of Ottawa when they actually won the Wilson Cup. Yeah, and that was that was a big deal because it was a huge upset against the reigning back-to-back champs uh, in Carleton University. And yeah. in a previous episode, uh, I believe it was episode three with Coach White from KCI. So check that out if you haven't uh, listened to it already. But we talked about Carleton because they're kind of a powerhouse and they do something that's really unique. Where on defense they'll force the opposing team to their offhand. They'll funnel um, yeah. the the opponent to their left hand. So I was just curious. I mean, it was such a big win. It was a big comeback and everything. I was wondering if you guys specifically practice and kind of schemed up um, anything to to deal with that offhand, or, or what you guys what you guys kind of did to prepare for that. Well, I think just because when you play Carlton so many times, and I've, I've played against them, I coach against them for now, I guess twelve years. Uh, you just get ready from the preseason, I guess, or even off-season, to work on your offhand because you, if you know the best team in the country, not just Carlton, actually, uh, UBC does that. Uh, Ryerson has done that in a few uh, for a few years as well. So and Car- Carlton te- was the one that kind of popularized exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right? They, were, they were the first one to do it, and then a lot of teams actually picked up on that and actually went up and did it. Uh, so there's a, f- a lot of university now doing it. So... Realistically, you get to see it a few times during the season, uh, and and you just train to work, you know, train your players to be able to uh, operate with the the their offhand. Um, so I think uh, it actually helped the league and the players get better, and you know, it's you know, it's a trickle down effect on how dominant Carlton is and was, uh, and, and have forced everybody to step up their game as a team and individually. So. Obviously, you scheme for it, um, and uh, the biggest thing is not to get caught up in it too, too much, um, because they do, uh, uh, I mean, at, in the past, they've been uh, switching up a lot of their defense, not just, uh, not on the, on, on the board, but in the pick and rolls, and handoff, and, uh, 
and uh, post-ops. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of their defense actually changed uh, uh, in the last couple of years. They adjusted, they, they made some adjustment, whatever the case may be. But in the past, they were doing the same thing offensively and defensively every single time down the floor. So it was uh, at, at the time with Ottawa when we were able to uh, actually be proactive. And that's when we had our most successes, the, that 2014 season is uh, we were able to actually know what they were going to do and do everything we could to be overly prepared to be a step ahead, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. And uh, and we had some success then, and then the year after they came and they they changed their defense, and that really uh, uh, I guess hurt us, and that's when we lost badly in the final in the championship final because they actually changed some of their defense, and uh, and uh, we weren't as ready for it for sure. Yeah, they might have kind of walled themselves into a false sense of security. I read it was like, uh, oh, what was the number? 50 or 60 consecutive wins before, um, over over a couple of years span before you guys uh, took them out in the uh, in the finals. Yeah. And, yeah, and then after that, we beat them twice in the regular season. Wow. Uh, we had some success against them uh, 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 with Ottawa, and that's something that I was very, always, always proud of just because of how good as, you know, Carlton is, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in the big games, that's when they always got us, and that's what you know. Getting winning the OUA was sweet, but the week after losing the championship final, uh, the week later uh, uh, by nine uh, uh, was was better sweet because you know if we could have switched it up and lose the OUA and win the national championship, I tell you that much. I would have changed. I would have. I would have uh, preferred that for sure. Yeah, but it's still very impressive, uh, nonetheless, and. As someone who played fairly high uh, level of basketball before becoming a coach, uh, do you feel like it's important to have that experience as a coach? Or maybe what advantages might that give you over another coach who has never played themselves? Uh, I don't know if it's important uh, for everyone, but it was important for me because I would have never got into basketball if I didn't play the game. And some people, uh, you know, for some people, it's not the case, but for me, it was very important. Uh, where it, it does help me, I think it's helped me understand the, the players to a certain level. Uh, I mean, with the evolution of everybody, you know, new generation, quote-unquote. I don't really like that term, but every every generation are different because they're growing up in a different uh, environment that you did just with, you know, your facts of internet and, and social media and how people interact. So... It is a fact that people are, I guess, behaving a little bit different than what, how you behaved when you were a kid. Uh, so that doesn't really give me an advantage, but I think it gives me an advantage where, or gives coaches that had a, a basketball playing experience an advantage where they can relate to their, to their players a little bit better. Uh, and where I think it uh, actually helped me the most, uh, it's, it's a little bit underrated. Uh, it's something that uh, some of the coaches could use more. I think it's people that coaches that have a, a, a high level of diversity in their family. Um, so, for example, I'm, I'm mixed. I'm French, African, uh, and I've been around you know a lot of diversity over my life through friends and family, and also coming from Europe to Canada. So. Uh, I was able to almost adapt in every environment that I was uh, living in uh, from, you know, spending time with my mom, family, my dad's family, which different, different culture, different codes and different way of, of, of living uh, with different food and all of that stuff. And 
when you have such a diversity within your friends and family, I think it helps you relate to your player more than actually being a basketball player because that stays, uh, that doesn't change how people, you know, uh, have Sudanese people, uh, players, I uh, have uh, West African players, I have Jamaican players, I have mm-hmm. uh, um, such a, di- you know, East European players. So uh, the fact that I was able to interact with so many and being friend and close friend with a lot of people from so many diverse uh, uh, communities and ethnicity, that's the biggest advantage I have because yeah. now I can talk to them about their 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 roots and family, and that's where you that's where you create that bond more than talking to them as oh when I was a player. I think they they relate to that, but they are like ah coach you old school. But when you talk <laughs> about their family and their their culture, now you hit it to the you know deep into the roots. Yeah, do you do you see that in players as well? Do you think that you have any that you've coached any players? Who lived in a diverse family who were just better teammates? Uh, no, it would be tough. No, because it really doesn't matter. Like, I think if you're a good person, it doesn't matter if you live in diverse or whatever uh, culture, it doesn't make you a better person per se. But what I would say is having a, more, a diverse team helps with your team chemistry and team cohesion because now people have to... Uh, almost accept everybody's culture and learn about everybody's culture and different codes, yeah. different way of communicating. Uh, if you have little diversity, now you can also, it's almost like you could create some uh, uh, groups and, and, and uh, small groups. And when the diversity is so big, then it's hard for them to, it's hard for, uh, for the players to create those small groups. And now, you know, this uh, uh, example is I have players who are Bosnian and some are Bosnian background and some of them are Serbian by, oh, background. Wow. And if we know, you know, the history, it's not usually they don't really get along, <laughs> yeah. but they're on my team, they're best friends, right? Yeah. Um, they're bonded by, by basketball. Exactly. Basketball brotherhood, basketball blood. And I think that's what, you know, that's how with everything that you see in the world right now, uh, that's my way of contributing. I think as a coach is making sure everybody learns on my team can learn about different culture and they can get along and they can throw away any uh, stereotype that they may have or preconceived ideas they may have about certain people uh, prior to be on, be, uh, being on my team. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, how everybody should be looking into like work wise and all of that stuff. That's, you know, diversity is the key. Yeah. And uh, another thing that's kind of, important maybe maybe going a little bit deeper a little bit further than just like success of the program is that we know that when we have um diversity in higher and higher roles um what that represents what that helps with is it shows people um that uh, more diverse right Uh, basketball is a very american sport right and it shows people uh perhaps in france perhaps in sudan right that well, if he can make it, well, I can make it. And it kind of gives them a pathway and it gives them a chance to grow to love the game and become better, which I think is a, is a positive um, for the game of basketball altogether. For sure. And that's why you see so many, you know, the game is becoming the most international game in the world. And that's, you know, one of the reasons is that everybody can relate. And, uh, and, and I, now it has to turn into not just basketball players. We want to see more basketball coaches, we want to see more basketball, uh, uh, media, sports media, executives. Uh, you know, more diversity executive owners, whatever the case may be. I think 
we need more diversity, not just in, on the courts. You know, we want to see more diversity in every aspect of the sports industry, uh, which is only going to help that industry, you know, profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking about international basketball, do you want to maybe talk about your um, experience coaching overseas and you did a coaching clinic for uh, Benin, stuff like that? Yeah. Um, realistically, I, I, you know, I, I moved to Canada when I was 20, so I didn't really have a lot of coaching experience internationally. But the last couple of years, I was able to help out uh, with my one of my friends, uh, Yan Maimi, who plays in the NBA. Uh, he's from Benin, and uh, he ran a camp for three years, and he invited me to, to run the camp uh, in year three, uh, which I was very grateful for. Um, and since then, I stayed in touch with some of the coaches there. I've uh, done an online clinic uh, last uh, November with some of the coaches there. And really, my mandate when I was talking to Ian was that I wanted to help the coaches more than the players. Not just because I didn't want to help the players, because I felt like if you help the player, the coaches, the you what you know your impact last can last you know longer and it. it, it I won't, you know, I can't, I want to be there like three days a week, a year, but if I help the coaches get better, they, they're there every day, right? And they can help the players You're and inspire class. the players. Exactly. Like, you know, legacy lasts. And uh, I went to the French Caribbean over uh, uh, last month uh, with my wife. Uh, she's from the, Guad- uh, the island of Guadeloupe. Uh, it's a French island. And I actually did a clinic there as well. Uh, it was it was cool to do uh, to do a little you know clinic. I did a mini camp there, and uh, um, definitely a place where I, I want to build my my connection there as well. So I'm trying to expand a little bit, just because I feel like uh, it's a great way to you know meet new people, meet new culture, and it, it's just fun to uh, to see the world of basketball in different lenses. Yeah, when you when you go there, do they have any experience, or is it just all? People who haven't played basketball before. No, no, it's well developed. I mean, especially in Guadeloupe, it's a French. It's basically France, but it's an island in the Caribbean uh, that was uh, uh, once colonized by France a long, long time ago. Uh, so it's literally as if you're in France. So there is like high, high-profile coaches, and a lot of NBA yeah. players are from there. French players like Rudy Gobert, Roderick Bobois, Michael Pietrus. Uh, oh, um, more you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they all they all have uh, heritage from Guadalupe, and some of them I were actually born and raised in, in Guadalupe. So um, uh, basically, yeah, it depends. I mean, in Benin, obviously, it's less; it's not a basketball country, uh, and it's a very small country, so there's a, a less, I guess, expert. But there's a lot of passionate people that want to do well, and with internet now, they and you know, Instagram, you can really learn a lot of things about basketball through. You know the uh, uh, at least YouTube and Instagram. Uh, there's two outlets there for you to just learn as much as you want. And I mean, I've, I've done that when I was a young coach. I would spend hours on YouTube just watching coaching clinics. So uh, I think anybody in the world can uh, take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, speaking of France, you grew up there. You played there. You know, you still you have roots there. What What would be the difference in the France basketball game compared to the Canadian basketball game? Actually, in a, in, a, in a weird way, there's a lot of similar, similarities. Um, 
just because uh, in, in uh, French sports in general, especially uh, soccer and basketball, you see a lot of uh, players, uh, French players coming from uh, basically the immigration of uh, a lot of uh, people from either West Africa, just like my family from, come from North Africa and West Africa, basically all the Caribbean. And same thing happened in, in Canada. There's a lot of uh, immigration from uh, West Africa, Nigeria, or or all the you know Caribbean, Jamaica, and all of that stuff. And uh, usually, um, it, it trends to have uh, tend to have players who are a little bit more athletic, just by the genetic of, of the fact that uh, they're just more athletic. And um, so, you, if you compare Canada basketball and, and Team Canada and Team France in basketball, you see a lot of similarities in their body and athleticism. Um, and where we were lacking uh, in the past, France and Canada, was shooting. Uh, sometimes the shooting part wasn't, uh, you know, when you're young, you're so athletic, you just rely on that so much. And yeah. I think what, where Canada has done a, maybe a little bit of a better job than France in the last couple of years is that mm -hmm. those crazy athlete players uh, are now trying to be focusing on their skills a little bit more and maybe, you know, almost looking at the game where they know they're going to they're gonna score 20, you know, score your, your early game, your early points in the paint and then develop your game later on in the game when you know it's, it's going to be a blowout and, uh, or, or just get a personal coach and, and work on your skills so that you can develop another aspect of your game. And I think uh, when you're watching uh, uh, the younger team of Canada basketball, you see more shooting. Like now the other combination of athletes and shooting, which is not exactly where Canada basketball wants to be, I know for a fact, but there are a, a, a lot of improvement in the last 10 years in that aspect. When you see France play now, I think there's still in, there is a, a, lo a lot of improvement. But when you're looking at the U16, U19 French national team play, they should be looking to compete against uh, the uh, USA and and uh, and you know competing for a world championship at the U16, U19. And we haven't been able to do that. The French national team haven't been able to do that. I think because they're lacking of that shooting, uh, they haven't developed that as well as Team Canada, and that's why Team Canada was able to win against the USA a few years ago with uh, RJ Barrett, right, when they won the World Championship. Yeah. Uh, they had a well-balanced roster, and I think uh, that's, that's the two difference between the two countries, but there are a lot of similarities, which is funny. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we had um, Nick Sarek on, uh, who does a bunch of basketball training. In, yeah, he's my guy. In my Canada. guy. You, you, you know yeah, him? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 He's, he's, on, he's, on, he's helping out. Well, he was supposed to help on our staff this year yeah. as yeah. a player development coach. Yeah, actually, uh, you're reminding me now. We That, that unfortunately, our, our uh, podcast with him was going too long. We didn't get to ask him about that, but uh, kind of off camera, uh, if you will, we did talk to him a little bit about that. Um, so yeah, I guess he's starting this year anyway. So, so of course, you know, but, uh, he did, he actually played pro in Europe a little bit. I believe it was mm -hmm. in Serbia and yeah. uh, he also did a lot of training there and yeah. he was kind of talking about how in Serbia, uh, specifically, uh, players weren't given a whole lot of freedom with the ball. It was, it was the kind of thing where if you got the ball, you had to shoot, pass or drive and then shoot or pass. Yeah. Uh, is which is which is definitely a, a pretty stark contrast to kind of the the ball handling game of North America. Is that something that happens in France as well, or was that more of a 
um, Serbian basketball kind of thing? I, I think it's shift, shifting now. When I was a young player, yes, that was like pass cuts was probably the number one drill we did for like half an hour of our practice. You know, pass cut, relocate, uh, D cut, L cut, all of those drills. I'm just so sick of it. I was so sick of it as a player, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, what he did was learn how to play without the ball and finding ways to be uh, an efficient basketball player without having to over dribble. What it didn't, uh, it didn't give us enough. If you were in a point guard uh, and let's say the other team is pressing the, your point guard or you know boxing one, taking the ball away from your point guard, now you didn't have enough playmakers, I think, on the floor to be able to dribble you know, and create for your team. Uh, we relied a little bit too much on the point guard and also didn't allow our young players to develop that skill set necessary for the next level to be able to dribble and create. So mm-hmm. I think finding the balance, I think in North America, sometimes you create what I call uh, dribble monsters, you know, guys that just looking at themselves dribbling, like uh, not going nowhere, killing the shot clock. And in the pace of a uh, FIBA basketball, uh, the shot clock is everything, you know, 24 seconds. Shot clock reset at fourteen. Uh, you just don't have much time to to play around. So, I yeah. think finding the right balance uh, between learning how to play without the ball, like in Serbia, and it's very strict, and you know you're not really allowed to do too much, and then adding a little bit of of freedom. Um, it, it, it's a tough balance to be honest, because kids, they you give them a finger, they give you know they're trying to take the whole arm, right? So. Uh, it's trying to find a balance within your training and having the kids to bought in both and having them understand the importance of both. Uh, but yeah, I definitely experienced that when I was a, I was a, a, a young upcoming basketball player and that was not always too fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, as far as you coaching your own team, what, what do you value more, player development or your scheme? Like, are you doing shooting drills, trying to teach your team new moves that they can put into their game or like how to break the press and the zone and stuff like that yeah i think it doesn't one doesn't go without the other uh but also understanding that the off season is there for everybody to get better i always tell them like you don't add you don't add a new skill set uh during the season or it's really hard to do so um what you add during the season is iq reads uh um it's everything surrounded the team, like really understanding the game, More the scheme prep. Oriented. Yeah, scheme oriented, but not like not just like uh, what would you think of the team oriented. Like that could be a skill, individual skill, like learning how to make that read. You mm-hmm. still need to be skilled enough to make that pass. For sure. Um, but if you want to add a dimension to your game, like literally another thing uh, to your game, I think that has got to be during the off season just because it just takes so much time to add anything to your game. Uh, it, it takes, you know, it, it, it's not realistic to be able to do that and, and be a good student and, and uh, be a basketball player and getting ready for prep and focusing on a team uh, winning, right? So your goal, your role be, becomes more important than anything. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but I think it's like 50-50 um, in terms of the importance. Yeah, no, that was a great answer. We've asked it um, a few times in the podcast. Uh, I think a coach would be lying if they if they said either like one or the other. They they, they both overlap so much and they're both so important. For sure. Um, and uh, you actually, I mean, sometimes you know we 
we, we have some questions prepped and then we start going and, and coaches start leading in and you're like, hey, this is great because I, I was planning to ask this. You mentioned <laughs> briefly, I don't know if everybody caught it, but um, that, that you do some stuff with stats, analytics. Uh, I mean, as the game of basketball comes more and more modernized, um, whatever that means, uh, analytics are becoming bigger and more important. And so I was just kind of curious as to how you guys uh, use analytics as a basketball program at Laurier. Um, it, uh, it depends. Sometimes it will be uh, geared towards the other team. Well, not sometimes. Every week I basically use analytics to mm-hmm. uh, prep. So what I'd like to do it at least is having uh, – the first 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever of my prep, just focusing on the video and how I, what I observe based on what I've seen on the video. I'm, I come up with a game plan that I think of and I feel like this should be the best game plan, whatever. Then I go back based on the game plan. I look at the analytics and see how my game plan and the analytics are in aligned, right? Mm-hmm. or if I'm missing something based off the analytics that I, we're looking at to get ready for a game. So that's more for the game prep. Uh, I also use it as, um, I guess, a, almost like a, a feedback from how we played, what we've done. And But realistically, I've used it more in the past to make a point or accentuate something that we think we should be focusing on uh, or we ha- we've done well or we haven't done well um, and what we're trying to do uh, next the next step and be because analytics actually takes a lot of time to anal- analyze and takes a lot of manpower to gather so yeah. at our level it becomes tough because we don't really have a full-time assistant coach and stuff like that so you really have to be time efficient and smart with are, what are you're you doing. the one are you the one gathering them like, so I got somebody who helping me uh, with gathering that and now there is a website uh, for every youth sports team that uh, kind of like uh, automatically enter all of the stats and you get all of the all of the analytics uh, almost all of the analytics that you're looking for there so it's uh, in terms of gathering it and not having access to it is fine, but there's so much, right, that you have to make sure you're using mm-hmm. what is best for you to your advantage. So realistically, what we are we we're in the process of doing is figuring it out to like exactly what how we go, what we want to use and how we're going to use it moving forward, so that we're not wasting time during the season like going back and forth and you know trying to dig in and find. Uh, um, certain, you know, stats that we think could be useful. Um, now, there's a lot of stats that I would love to have, and one that I really like is uh, the five players that play well together. So, basically, plus and minus of a, star, uh, of a five players. So, uh, let's say... Uh, us like three a, are, an are adjusted p- plus minus? Yeah, adjusted plus minus based on who's on the floor. Um, yeah. And uh, I thought this year re- that really helped us um it was skewed because we had so many injuries last year from well, we're talking about last season the last season we played we had so many injuries that we had so many lineup that it was hard to have a consistent lineup that we actually liked but as we were getting closer to the playoff we actually had everybody back healthy and we were able to figure out what 
lineup actually worked the best. And I, you know, purposely would put those guys on when I knew uh, at certain times of the game or, or mm-hmm. when I knew we needed a bucket or I felt like uh, we didn't, play, we weren't, you know, getting the right chemistry, whatever. I would yeah. always go back to that lineup. And we may, I think that's one of the reasons why we made a deep run uh, last year, just because of uh, I was able to be very cautious of, okay, I know those five guys, they are Brandon Butter, and I knew what to run with those guys as well. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And how, in, how involved are the players uh, in the analytics? How much of that do they get to see? Not as much as I like to, actually. I, I find that a lot of times as coaches, we uh, have so much information and we don't share as share as much as we would like to uh but what i've done in the past is so every monday there is a re- like there is stats that are uh the biggest stats for us in order for us to win like intangibles tangibles whatever and our in our change room we have them and we have the you know what our goal is mm-hmm. in terms of all of those stats how would be uh what was our uh current average and then how was it the last game or last couple of games? So where we at, what's our average of the, like where we were in short term, like yeah. last two games, whatever, what's our average for the whole season, including preseason, and then what's, uh, uh, what's the goal and see where we, so the guys uh, were able to see that every, uh, every Monday and I left it for the whole week uh, and they, they liked it. They liked it a lot. So it's something that we're going to keep doing moving forward. That's cool. And... Yeah. How do I say this? Analytics has kind of gotten a pushback. And I mean, in my opinion, it comes more from, it stems more from people just not really understanding what they are than actually having like valid complaints about them. But especially a lot of people that, uh, older people that that grew up in with a game that didn't really involve analytics. And now this huge change is coming in and, and they're pushing back against it. What what kind of case would you make for the importance of analytics? Again, I think you have to use it wisely. You have to make sure you don't get lost in too much analytics to have the analytics decide for you. It's almost like you don't want your iPhone to decide what you want to eat tonight, you know, like or mm-hmm. what's good for you. If it was good, like if I if it was for that, then I would be eating a lot of dessert because. For some reason, Instagram keeps showing me like donuts and cookies and stuff like that, you know, like because they think yeah. I'm liking it, but I'm not even eating that much of that. I just like it a lot and I like watching it. So, you know, the, 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 so it's so, like, that's how, you know, I think about it. It's like, it's a great tool, that's a, a, but you got to use it wisely because if not, you just, they, they, you get them to tell you how to coach and they're not there to tell you how to coach. If they're telling, they're helping you, uh, I guess, reinforce what you think of or, 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 or destroy your bias. And that's what happened when you're uh, your old man, quote unquote, you know, you guys like to all us old men. So, yes, we, we are old men and we're fighting back analytics. And, uh, and I have a lot of conversation because I've, you know, I have some friends who are older than me, some friends who are younger than me. And some of them, they love analytics. Some of them hate analytics. And I'm a little bit more in the middle. Um, I, I, I like them, but I'm cautious of them. You get uh, caught in the fight. Yeah, because, again, uh, I think when you coach for so many years, look, I've been, you know, in the game since 1996. I played or I've, you know, it's my first year not being 
playing or coaching basketball in my life since 1996. Wow. wow. Right? Because of the pandemic this year, we don't have, mm -hmm. you know, games or whatever. Right? So you're going to tell me that a, a, a number is going to tell me more or they're going to they're going to uh, tell me more than what I've seen for X amount of years. I've, of course, you know, some of the coaches, they've been coaching for 60, 70 years, like whatever the case may be, right? Like yeah. you can't, you can't, uh, I think, and they've been very successful too. It's not like they're, they're bad coaches. They've been, if you've been coaching for 50 years, you're a great coach. Mm -hmm. I don't care what league you're playing, you know, you're coaching. So uh, I think it, it's fair to say that, and, the, and then you have young, a young guy telling you like, no, you're, you're wrong. Like, no, of course it's not going to sit well. Uh, yeah. and, and, and the biggest thing is that your eyes and your gut sometimes are not, they're going to be right. And your analytics are going to tell you otherwise. Mm -hmm. But your eyes and your gut in the moment, you just know that's the right thing to do. Right? Well, yeah, that's, yeah. It, it's in, and that's, that's, where, that's where the argument gets. <laughs> yeah, well... I, I heard, uh, I believe this, this is in hockey now, but a analytics are kind of synonymous across all sports. There was the Tampa Bay Lightning general manager was kind of asked about it. And what he said was, hey, look, like analytics is, gets this pushback because it's this like foreign name that people don't associate with the best things all the time. He said, why don't we call it information? Because at mm -hmm. the end of the day, that's what it is. I like it. And it's like, Nobody's going to say no to information. Nobody's going to be like, information is bad, but information can be flawed. And there's always more information that you'll have that, that, that can't always be encapsulated um, in a number. And it's the same way where you, you'll see somebody miss a shot. That doesn't mean that they miss every shot. Sometimes you see some analytics on a player and it just could be, you know, a, a poor sample. Something's wrong. Something's missing. And you as a coach kind of have to fill in those gaps. And that's really what, what, makes, sure. a, what makes a great coach great. Exactly. You got to, you know, you, you have to be, be able to, you know, be balanced. And that's the key to life, I think, anyways. You, you don't want to be like Trump, you know, fake news, fake news, you know. Like, <laughs> it's not good, it's not good either. <laughs> and you don't, you don't want to be that, uh, that smart, uh, that, that uh, young, smirky guy that, think uh, he knows it all just because he's got the information but he doesn't have the experience exactly so of course. Uh, the balance man it's the balance and you want to be uh you, you want to be well informed but you just don't want to be too informed yeah <laughs> and yeah we've been going for a while now i think uh i think it's time to ask our final question which we, we always ask uh to every guest and that's got to be why do you do the work that you do why do you why do you love coaching uh, I wouldn't say coaching necessarily is why, I, you know, it's more like I like working with people and I, I like, uh, I like helping people. Um, so if you win the coaching, like I know I bumped into coaching by quote, mm -hmm. not an accident just because I was involved with basketball and I For ended sure. up doing, you know, coaching, but, uh, I, you know, player development could have been, a. a if it was, you know, uh, if, if that was a job when I started to coach, I probably would have moved maybe to that. Uh, you know, being an agent, probably something that I, w I wanted to do and maybe something I would like to do in the future. Who knows? Being a, a, a manager, being a general manager, I love. So mm -hmm. it's not so much about like exactly the coaching thing. It's more like, again, working with people, seeing people progress, helping them go through the, that process. And at the same time, 
that's really that's that's helping me become a better person uh because in order for the people that you are around to be successful you also need to be at your best and you need to be uh in you know the best version of yourself in order to help somebody uh and that's uh you know if you're looking at it in a selfish way it's you know it's almost like a win-win you know it pushes me to push others so yeah uh, it's every day is a challenge. So um, again, it's not so much about coaching. It's more about that. It's, it's that that's what I'm looking for now. In in you know, I'm in coaching, but it's yeah. more uh, the 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 big picture type of thing. It's everything that comes with it, and exactly. and everything that comes with your role in in general. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Justin Sores, everybody. If I said that right. Yeah. Uh, head coach from. Laurier, from me and Sammy, want to thank you for coming on. This was a bunch yeah, of fun. Uh, I was you. not expecting some of the some of the things I heard, but I can't say uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't enjoy hearing them. And yeah, pretty much just a big thank you for for appreciate spending it. some time with us. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate for having me, and best of luck with your future podcast and everything. Thanks. And thank just quickly before we end, if there's any uh, if there's anything you want to promote or uh, shout out. You can do that now if you'd like. Yeah, well, I mean, go obviously, you know, get some, uh, follow us on Instagram, the uh, UW uh, underscore uh, MD Ball. Link and then, in the description. Uh, yeah, yeah, link in the description. Coach uh, underscore Serais uh, on Instagram. If you want to see some of the stuff we're doing and uh, I've been trying to post a lot more on my uh, coaching page to, uh, you know, show some plays, some drills and stuff like that. Uh, during the pandemic so, so uh, TikTok. So yeah yeah so i'm using tiktok to edit and post it on on uh on the uh, on my instagram so some of the stuff uh, would be cool for young coaches if they want to see some uh, some of the stuff we're doing awesome thanks man appreciate it all right thanks for listening everybody peace